0: Welcome to New Life, I'm glad you guys are here. My name is Jeff Baker. I get the privilege of serving on this incredible staff at an amazing church with wonderful people. So thanks for coming out today. It is our last Sunday of Pit Crew, so if you're watching us uh, online today, welcome. If you're down in our gym venue today, I want to say thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. Well, as we tackle our last Sunday in Pit Crew, we're going to have a blast. We just took about... 80 plus people out tonight at the races, yeah, night at the races, we just went over to Donovan and took over the place. Um, it uh, It was quite fun, the races just went on and on and on and on. So, if, if you are sitting out there and you can actually see my eyes, then I apologize for how tired they look. And I guarantee those folks down in the gym right now with that HD camera and HD projectors can see more of my eyes than they care to. So uh, I apologize for HD today. Um, but no, we took 80 people and we just had a good time. Wow, it was so much fun sitting there. And, you know, I was watching the race and all I could think about were these moments throughout this teaching series where we have talked about all these different issues. You know, whether it be edifying one another. Or it was encouraging one another, or it came to confessing to one another, um, even rebuking one another, and then restoring each other. And today, like you heard from Dean, we're going to be talking about spurring one another on. Last night at the races, I actually got to see a rare moment where a where a racer got warned with the black flag. Remember that from uh, a couple weeks ago? A black flag of rebuke. All right, he didn't get uh, he didn't get. Ejected from the race, but man, it fired that guy up and he came all the way from the back of the pack and he just raced through all the cars. And then he got up to the car that he had kind of offended and he bumped into purposefully. And everybody in the stands was wondering, what's the guy going to do when he gets to that car? Is he going to slam into him and take him out of the race? No, he had better character than that. And he just flew right by him and he raced all the way up to the front and he almost won the race. So, I'm telling you, all right, even when you don't like to be rebuked, sometimes it can fire you up and cause you to do things um, that are just supernatural in God's kingdom, see your life transformed and changed. Today, I want to make something synonymous with pit crew. So, if you would just kind of open up your heart and your mind, I want to insert the word spur. I want you, for the rest of the days that God would allow you to remember this teaching series, pit crew, I want you to consider the word spur now i 'm going to bring that to life for you today i 'm going to help you understand that, but I want to deposit that early, and then I want to keep coming back to it throughout our teaching today now when you 're at the races, all right when you go to the races, um, there 's often like last night, there were a lot of yellow caution flags that came out caution flags because one racer you know ran into another because some part flew off of a car, and someone 's out in the lead and they 're racing and they 're battling for position, and then that yellow flag comes out now. When you're at the NASCAR level, not at the Donovan level, per se, all right, but when you're at the NASCAR level and the yellow flag comes out, if you could actually tune into the frequency that the, that the drivers are listening to, you would hear their pit crew chief, like, I want to be a pit crew chief for you today, instructing that driver on what the game plan is once the racing goes green again. or the green flag waves? And they say, race. And they're in their ears, and they're talking to them, and they're trying to remind them the purpose of the race. They're trying to get them focused. They're trying to get their minds off of, you know, maybe this car and this other driver that's offending them. Or, you know, this person that They just can't get around. it. They're trying to calm them down. But they're trying to bring purpose. Focus them on the task at hand. Our task today, and what I want you to focus in on, and the reason why we've kind of waved the yellow flag and said, pause from the pace of life. Come here to New Life and let's hear from God is that I want to help you in your spiritual journey. Stay focused. I want you to be successful in your spiritual journey. I want you to know Christ and make Him known. I want you to win in your spiritual journey. So we're kind of here today just kind of wrapping this thing up, you know, and wanting to focus your attention. So let's uh, let's make it a little personal today. Have you guys ever found yourself in any level of road rage ever before? All right. Have you ever. OK. OK. A couple of people are admitting it and the hands that I saw go up. I would agree. I could see it happening in their life. So um, <clears throat> but not judging, just agreeing. All right. So, yeah, road rage. Right. Are just getting upset or mad, even if you don't do anything. Have you ever had a moment where another driver has done something to you? They slammed the brakes on right in front of you. They turned illegally and they weren't supposed to. You know, they uh, they did something. They cut over into your lane, and they didn't even see you were there. H- have you ever had one of those moments where you responded in a way that you wish later you could take back? You ever had those moments? Probably more of you than what you're willing to admit. This world, when, when we're driving, this world, though, it's full of people that are going to aggravate us. All right. There's a lot of aggravators in this world, and there's a lot of agitators in this world. There's a lot of People, and don't point at anybody right now. This would not be a healthy moment to go, he's talking about you, honey. Um, That's not good. Don't do that right now. But there are. There are a lot of aggravators. There are a lot of people that just do things, you know, and intentionally do things even. It's not even so much the driver that accidentally cut you off, but people that intentionally do things to aggravate you. I know that one of my not, not so proud gifts is... Sometimes I do, I aggravate Kim. Um, let's be honest. I, I probably aggravate her more than probably I ought to. Some of it is unintentional. It's unintentional. It's just we go through life, we do our things. Others of it, it, it can be Intentional. Um those moments where you just get honri. Those moments when you know you you just are at that point where you've got the hot button and you're pushing on it and you don't want to let go of the hot button until you know what happens when you get aggravated. Eventually you get to a moment where you what? The other person explodes. And it's almost like sometimes we've got the agenda that we're gonna aggravate until someone explodes. Well, some of the things that I do that aggravate my wife, um, because I asked her, I said, honey. Um, I think I know some of them, but if you could confirm a couple of them for me. And I was was humbled by how fast she began to speak after that question. (laughs) Of how fast she was able to come up with some things. And she came up with a pretty long list. I'm going to have to narrow it down just to a couple of things for you. She said, by far, one of the worst ones is driving. She goes, uh, you know, I, I hate driving when you're in the car. You aggravate me. You, you constantly say things like, aren't you too close to that car? Shouldn't we turn right here? Um, hey, you're not going fast enough. Hey, you're going over the speed limit. Hey, what are you doing? Don't go there. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. And then finally she just goes, that's it. I'm not driving anymore. And if you ever see my wife driving and I'm in the passenger seat, that is a rare moment. Normally, we've had some kind of argument right before that. And, you know, she ends up in the driver's seat not wanting to be there. So I'm just telling you, I know I aggravate you that way, honey. I apologize, all right? Uh, now that I know how, how steep the level is, that was like almost number one on the charts, I'm going to work on not doing that, all right? Um, but we all do things to one another to aggravate each other. But in this aggravation, what we're really doing is we're provoking someone. We're motivating someone to do an action it's not healthy for them. It's not, it wasn't good for you to be at the aggravator. It's not healthy for them to get to a moment to explode. And I'm the one that caused that in my wife, in that instance. But that concept, flipped on top of its head, is the attitude that God wants us to have with one another. He wants us, not in a negative way, to aggravate. He wants us, in a very Christ-centered way, to provoke and to motivate each other to a response or to an action. This definition is the definition of the word spur. He wants us to provoke or to motivate to deeply challenge one another to do things that maybe we otherwise might not do on our own or if left to ourselves might take us longer to achieve. This is the attitude that Christ talks about in his word. This is the attitude that God writes about in his word in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Through 25, as it talks to us about spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Why don't you read this passage with me? It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful, that he is Christ, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another this passage of scripture is summing up our entire teaching series called pit crew this is it everything lands on this one piece everything we've talked about everything that we've dealt with every story that we've told every word that we've addressed comes back to hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 through 25 this is where the teaching series found its birth why because as a church. We're not meant just to sit next to one another. We're not meant to just pray for one another on a prayer chain from a distance. We're not meant just to tell, you know, one another, amen, on a good statement. We're meant to spur. We're meant to be in a pit crew where we challenge and provoke and motivate one another to do the things that Christ has called us to do when we don't feel like it, when we feel depressed, when we feel beaten up, when we feel lonely, When we feel like we've got the world by the tail and we are just completely successful and what else do we need? Well, we need someone to spur us, provoke us, motivate us to stay focused on Christ. That's what we're all about and every single one of us needs to be spurred. So, how do you do this? How do I spur others towards love and to good deeds? How do you do that? Well, my first thoughts when it comes to the word spur is probably your first thoughts. Which is this, like a cowboy boot. What do I do? Like, you know, spur them? Is that what I do? Or like, you know, go to them like that on the side? Is that? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about spurring one another on to pain and good works. We're not talking about spurring one another on to embarrassment and good works. We're not talking about that type of spurring that's going to cause pain. We're talking about how do you do this? How do you spur? First off, I want you to go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. This is what it starts to teach us. It says to us, in that very first verse, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We first have to deal with this hold unswervingly piece. If you're going to spur one another on, there has to be this unswerving, there has to be this straight, focused, my full attention is on Christ. The first thing that we have to focus on is us, if we're going to actually spur others. We have to find our complete hope in Christ. My entire destiny, everything I believe in, everything I'm invested in, has to be unswervingly focused on the hope that's found in Jesus. And We can't allow anything, nothing, not even minuscule things, to come in and corrupt that. To cause us to wave or to cause us to swerve from the hope that we found. So the first thing in helping others and spurring others on to love and good deeds is to focus on us. Go. What are the things that are in my life that are causing me to swerve, even if it's slight swerving? You've been in a car when someone's driving and they don't stay just in the center of the lane and they swerve back and forth. Doesn't that just make you comfortable? Doesn't it make you just want to close your eyes and go to sleep? No, it makes you be cautious and you, I, got that, I hope I got that seatbelt tight. You're, you're on, you're hanging on to things. they are just swerving. It's like those first days when you took your son or your daughter out to drive. That's the day you really check to see if the seatbelt worked. All the other days, you just hop in the car, click it. You never do that with it. But that day you did. Why? There was going to be a lot of swerving. Swerving in our faith causes accidents. Swerving in our faith causes others to not find that confident ability to say, I want you to spur me. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. Because when I swerve, like last night, driving back from the races, I swerved on the interstate slightly, and my, my the passenger side wheels went over the line. And before I knew it, my wife was like, hey. And then I heard, And I went, whoa, okay. All right, but my wife had warned me. That was a moment where she wasn't comfortable with my driving. That's what happens spiritually with people. And so, what did I say when that happened? I went, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, a quick apology, a quick acknowledgement that I was wrong causes me to come back to that unswerving, cause me to come back and be straight. That's what people are looking for. Your main job in helping others or spurring one another on to love and good deeds, your main job is to be a, a motivator and a provoker. Towards what? Towards Christ. Just be picture this with me. Motivating and provoking one another to do great things. If you were in the car with someone, you're sitting in the passenger seat, right? You're taking a long road trip, and you look over, and the and the person that's driving is like is like this. What do you do? Do you just kind of, oh, okay. They're, they're gonna wake up. Everything's gonna be fine. No. Well, you go like, wake up! You go, wake up! You know, if they're drifting off and you look over and they're like, you're going you're to grab the wheel and you're going to pull that thing back. You're going to do whatever you have to do to make sure that that ride is safe. That person comes awake. Aren't you? You're not just going to ignore it. You're going to provoke them. You're going to motivate them. You're going to go, I'm going to spur you to come awake. That's what you're going to do. That's why Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. First look at the word consider. You're going to consider how to do this. You're going to focus on them. That's what the word means. You're going to be preoccupied with each other. You're going to think about each other. You're going to pray for each other. This passage, though, doesn't just cause us to think or just consider, but it also inspires us to a a time or a statement of action. Grabbing the wheel. When you see someone... Swerving off course, you grab the wheel of the light of life. You you challenge them, you motivate them. Wake up! Your spirituality is off course. Wake up! That decision that you're making is going to cause trouble for you. Wake up! I can see down the road, and you're not on the right path. Wake up! And at moments, you jerk the wheel of, of life, and it causes a it causes a like oh man, i okay, I'm off course, and it helps people get back on. But we do that with love. We do that Christ-centered. We do that because we want one another to hold ourselves unswervingly to the hope that we found in Christ. We all need it. We all need it. Never give up on one another. Never give up on one another. If you have a pit crew, don't give up on the people that are in your pit crew. If you've you've ever been driving, you know that even though you start to kind of fall asleep and you try to wake yourself up, you can do all kinds of things, but man, it's hard to keep those eyes open. Once you start to fall asleep, there's going to have to be an intervention. I remember my father-in-law said that when he would fall, fall asleep, he would roll the window down, right, in his car. And, and get like, a cup of ice. He would chew on ice, and he would stick his head out of the window. Until one day, he found himself with his head out of the window and a cup of ice, and he was asleep. <laughs> true. It's a true story. That's when he decided, maybe there's other action that needs to be taken. We need each other to help with that other action that needs to be taken. Don't give up on people. Just because there's certain habits that seem to cause them to swerve, don't give up on them. Stick with them. Stay in their pit crew. We each need to spur one another on with words that edify. Remember those words that edify in week one? That was biblical instruction. That challenges one another to be more like Christ. We need that. We need to use God's word to spur one another on in a loving way, not condemning. We need to spur one another on with encouragement that builds each other up. Remember week two with Roger? Encourage one another that builds one another up. Have the motive in your heart for your pit crew. Those people that God's brought around you that you want to build them up, not tear them down. Try to find the best in them and then speak words of encouragement. We don't do this often enough in the church. We find each other's faults and then we gossip about them. But find each other's strengths and build them up. There's something about the smile on a person's face when I get to walk up to them and I get to tell them about how good they've done and how, how well they're doing. Man, it it brings joy to me. It brings joy to them. Let's make sure that that's the kind of people that we are. We also need to spur each other on by creating safe relationships where we can confess to one another. Work hard. Work hard on being a Christ-centered follower that holds unswervingly to the hope that you have in Christ. Why? Because you become more safe for people to come and confess to. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed and whole. That's what the New Testament teaches us. I'm not going to confess to anybody I consider unsafe. I'm not going to confess to anyone that I think is an unsafe person in the sense of I share it with them, they share it with others. I share it with them, they judge me. I share it with them and I just get shallow answers back. I share it with them and they tell me, I'll pray for you. But I never hear from them again. Let's be a safe place. That people can come confess to each of us. No, in confessing to you, that doesn't mean that all of our sins are forgiven. That's not what it means. But it means that we can help one another hold ourselves unswervingly to the hope that we have by spurring one another on. Spur each other on through occasional rebukes that challenge. Like what happened at the racetrack last night. You might find that a rebuke from a friend does exactly what the proverb says. That it was better than, the, the, than a thousand lashes to a, to a, a fool. Remember that from that week? The rebuke from from a friend, man, is better than those things. Rebuke one another periodically in love with the right motive. Not in public, not in some place like that, but in private with somebody that you've earned the right. That's your pit crew. We're not talking about the mass, you know, of new life right now that God's continuing to grow. I'm talking about that small group, that life group that you're in where you've earned that right. Spur each other on by caring for one another's burdens and restoring each other. That's what Eric, Pastor Eric, just talked about. Carrying each other's burdens and restoring one another. Take the things in each other's lives that have have been made old, that are old now from decay and rot and lack of attention and lack of investment spiritually and help them make those things new again. I guarantee you there's people in your pit crew that need to make their prayer life new again. And they need your help. They need to make their faith new again. And they need your help. There's people in your life that are wrestling with unforgiveness. And they're wrestling with doctrinal questions. And they're they're wrestling with questions of hope in God. And they need you to help restore them. Help build that back up. Just be there. Most of the time, restoring has more to do in your spiritual life with listening. Listening than feeling like you've got to have all the answers. Just hearing somebody share their hearts, hearing them out and then asking them the questions of, you know, well, what does that really mean to you? Where are you at? What do you, what do you feel like you need to do? How can I help you? And then there are there are the moments where you need to give the advice. Yeah, share those things go hand in hand. But just bearing one another's burdens, taking some of that load off their shoulders, helping them realize they're not an island to themselves. What a classic, what a classic issue. Satan does to believers. When he causes them to believe that what they're, they're doing and how they're living, no one else understands, no one else has ever been there. You're on an island to yourself. Bury one another's burdens is helping to spur each other on to loving good deeds. Jumping onto their island and getting them off there and helping them realize you're not alone. You're not alone. Spurring one another on. You spur one another on lastly by, I want these words to get in your spirit, by chasing people in your pit crew. We all have a tendency to run. We all have a tendency to, you know, get out of town, to get away from the people that are closest to us, especially when we know that we're living in a way that they wouldn't approve of. If you've earned the right to be in someone's pit crew, you've also earned the right to chase them when they're trying to run. Don't chase them to, you know, bear hug, tackle them. But chase them to love them. Chase them to get in front of them. Chase them to let them know, hey, I'm for you, I'm not against you, I'm here to help you, is there anything I can do to be a part of your life? And if we need to spur others, guess who else needs to be spurred? You. You need to be spurred. So how do you receive a spiritual spurring? How do you receive this whole pit crew series that we've talked about? Look at what Hebrews 10, 25 had to say to us. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another. In racing, let's leave that passage up there for a minute. In racing, there's this technique that causes cars to go faster, all right? It's called drafting, where one car gets in behind another car and they get close to each other, and then the airflow flows over both cars, and those cars are actually able to go a little bit faster together. You get two, three, four, five. The more cars you get, the little bit faster the cars can go. These cars lump together. You'll find drivers that will work together to get faster, to get up in front of the pack. Because when you get out there alone, the wind and the drag on your car slows you down. And the guys who are working as a team, they go right beyond you. Meeting together. Coming together. This passage oftentimes has been preached coming together like this. Yes, it can talk about that. And we can preach it from that manner. But this passage, really, if you want to boil down what it means to meet together, what it's really talking about is one-on-one, where two people or where small groups come together and they draft spiritually off of each other. And they accomplish more together than they could alone. That's what a pit crew does. When you spur one another, when you receive spurring, basically what you're doing is this. The person who's doing the spurring, you're going, okay, I received that. Right on. That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to follow that truth. I want to be that kind of Christ follower. And you come in right behind them and you go, let's team up to accomplish this. When you receive the spurring, most likely is not the moment where you go, oh, okay, I got it. Let me get in the front and let me show you what to do now. That's our normal tendency. I got this. I got it. Got it all figured out. No problems here. All I needed was your one word. No, what you probably needed was a little bit of humbling. You come in behind them and you go, all right, track with me for a while. I'm going to follow your lead on this one. Why don't you coach me? Why don't you pray with me? Why don't you hold me accountable? Why don't you come back and ask me how I'm doing? That's a pit crew. Pit crew doesn't just put the car out on the race and all the pit crew, you know, go to lunch come back and go hey how you doing oh by the way we'll tune in onto the tv and see how you're doing we'll be back though no stick with them so when you receive spurring you get in behind that person and you draft off of them then in that way you truly are encouraging one another i value preaching i mean i value what we're doing here but i value in a greater way when one believer connects with another one And they sit down over coffee and they open God's word and they speak into each other's lives. This is a lectern. This is when we come together and we hear something from a large sense. It's very hard for me to hold all of you accountable to what we're talking about today. But when you take this and you get with one person and you start drafting off of them, you start receiving that spurring, now you're going someplace in life. So that's why I'm telling you, you've got to be in a life group. To fully To fully live out Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, there's no other way to do it but in a life group. In a life group is where you hold each other unswervingly. In a life group is where you can spur one another on to love and good deeds. In a life group is where you can fulfill the, hey, meet together. Meet together so you can encourage one another. Let me give you one last example. This one might be a little bit harder to understand for some of you. But your car has an engine in it, okay? Now, for many of you, you press on the accelerator or you press on the gas pedal, and, you know, it sends a signal to the engine, and it says, go faster. And it goes faster, and it sends a signal to the tires, and the tires turn faster, and whoo, you pull away from the green light. When you pull away from the green light, many of you, most of you, you like to pull away and have your car as quiet as possible. Well, because that, that's what the exhaust does. The exhaust connects to your car. And one of the things the exhaust does is it takes all the all of the burning of the engine and all the fuel that's burning, all the all the um, fumes, and it funnels it and it pushes it through, and it creates you know the ability for the combustion in the engine, this firing, these explosions that are happening, you know, to send that exhaust someplace, and it goes down this exhaust manifold into these pipes into this muffler that makes everything nice and quiet, unless you got a big truck from you know the farm then you want it to be loud so you take that off and then it, it runs out the tailpipe to the end of the car and it spits it out the back well, let me tell you when you and when an engine's making little explosions over and over and over and over and over and over and over again little fires little bombs going off boom, 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 boom. that exhaust is gonna get hot you turn your car off open the hood touch the exhaust bad move going to leave a scar might just leave your skin stuck to it don't do that don't try that at home kids it makes it hot it's very much like you coming in to this place it's very much like you coming into your life group and little explosions of the holy spirit little explosions of christ centered thinking little explosions of loving one another on to you know good deeds little explosions are happening it's causing you spiritually to get hot causing you spiritually just to like burn on the inside with a passion to be more like christ it's important that we meet together it's important that you take your life and you connect it to the engine of the of the of the pit crew it's important that you bring your life often and you connect it to the larger body of new life why so that your spiritual life just intensifies with a heat it intensifies with the purpose of christ it intensifies it comes alive you take that and you remove it The engine fires. The engine's never going to stop firing. Spiritually, God's never going to stop firing. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's got a purpose, and he's going to keep doing it. Your choice is whether you're going to bring your peace and connect it. When you connect it, what happens when you're connected with other believers? What happens when you worship regularly? What happens when you submit yourself to God's word and to prayer on a regular basis? What happens to your spirituality? Doesn't it heat up? Doesn't it get more intense? Doesn't it create more purpose? Doesn't it feel like, wow, now that's good. This is right. Yes. But what happens when you remove it? Don't you find certain things that you once cherished start to slack? Don't you find certain thoughts of the old old you start creeping back in? Don't you, don't you find things start to misfire? Don't you find yourself growing a little cold? Yeah. You were meant to meet together, one-on-one with believers, you know, in a large setting like this. In a pit crew with people that love you and they care about you. You were meant to do that. Connect yourself. When you are spurred by others, connect yourself to the body of Christ and watch your relationship with God heat up and see great things happen in you. So, the bottom line the bottom line of pit crew is this be connected. Right now, we have just a little over 50% of the congregation at New Life in life groups. Why do a teaching on pit crew? Because there's about 47% of you that aren't. And I know that it's valued. It's valued in your spiritual walk for you to be connected to a life group. That's why I'm driving this home. We were built to have our lives transformed. And this church has been built to transform lives. That's why I'm so passionate about you being connected to a life group. I don't want you to stay the same. I love you enough that I want to spur you on to greater things. But to do that, I've got to spur you in a way that says give up one night to meet with other believers. You're giving up Sunday to be here. And Man, I applaud you for that. Awesome. That's great. But just watch what would happen if you gave up a night to meet with other believers, to be connected. Watch what would happen as your spiritual life began to heat up to an intensity beyond where you've been right now. And just see if Jesus doesn't come alive more. But to do that, you have to connect yourself with other Christ-centered people, being connected. That's what Jesus said he wants us to do with him. And he also wants us to do that with others. Let me wrap this message up with Luke, or excuse me, John chapter 15, verse 5. This is what Jesus said about being connected. He goes, yes, I, Jesus, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying basically this, be connected to Jesus, be connected to him. And if you are, then you're going to bear much fruit, or you're going to do good deeds, being connected to him. Be connected to Jesus, and you'll want to meet together regularly. You'll want to do that. You'll want to remain in him. Be connected to Christ and He's going to draw you into this body. He's going to draw you into life groups. He's going to draw you into one-on-one relationships where you meet together. It's going to be natural, but you've got to remain in Christ. Stay connected to Christ. He's also telling us, be connected or remain in me and you will spur others on to good deeds. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. He'll do it in you and He'll do it through you. Then lastly, it says, be connected to Jesus, and you will hold tight to an unswerving hope. Remain in Christ, and great things can happen. That's what a pit crew does. Pit crew helps you to remain in Christ. Today, this entire series, we've been challenging you. Find a group of people in a life group. You can still do that. You can still sign up for a life group. All the information is still at our welcome center. But beyond that, where does it really start? Who's the first person you need to have in your pit crew? Christ. You've got to get connected to Him. You've got to remain in Him. You've got to keep surrendering your life to Him and allow Him to produce good fruit in you. Allow Him to spur you on to love and to good deeds. And it's from remaining in Christ that you will also spur others on to love and the good deeds. My challenge to you today is this. How how deep are you connected with Christ? How firmly are you connected? Where is your hope at? Is it swerving or is it unswerving? Where is it at today? Because your first mission in your pit crew is to invite Christ into your life. Make him Lord and leader. Many of you have made him Lord. Many of you need to surrender more and allow him to be the greater leader in you. Die to self. Give up selfish ambitions to allow Christ to come alive in you. Give up a little bit of you that Christ might live, that you remain in him and you produce good fruit. I'm going to be praying with you in just a moment. At the end of the prayer, our worship teams are going to come up onto the stage. They're going to continue to lead us in an attitude of being connected to Christ. I want to encourage you today, as our worship team leads us, that you would allow your spirit just to be connected to Christ. You would allow your heart just to reach out and go, God, all I want is you. I want to remain in you. Help me to remain in you. Show me the things that cause me to swerve. That get me disconnected where I don't remain in you. Show me those things. Repent of those. Invite Christ to come into your life today. Invite him to come in to be the Lord and leader. Be connected to him. And he'll spur you on to love and good deeds. Why don't you stand with me today? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We recognize that it's by your supreme authority that our lives are transformed and that our lives are changed. Lord, we know that you hold the hope that will cause us to run straight after you and not swerve. That, Lord, you hold the answers that if we stay connected to you, we will become people that love one another and love one another on to good deeds. So, Lord, we come and we invite you. You, creator of the entire universe. Creator of my life the one who destined my purpose. Lord, I invite you today. Come and spur each of us. Show us the areas that we're not as connected to you as we ought to be, that have grown cold. Pull them away from the little firings that are happening in your heart every single day, that are going off, that are wanting to challenge us to become red hot, burning red hot for you. Lord, today we submit ourselves to We surrender to you. We ask you to have your way in us. And over these next few moments, challenge us to remain.